It is good to see everybody here this morning. Great crowd coming back to church Sunday. If you have never left Sunday or church, that's a good thing. And uh, this morning, I've been very excited for some time about this sermon series entitled Start Here. And uh, we're going to go through the next few weeks and, and just kind of go back to the classroom and and we're going to kind of do some things that, you know, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. There, there might be somebody here that will kind of say, you know, I've never heard it from that angle before or, or that perspective. And, and I hope you know that I've been raised in church and, and I can speak uh, to theologians, which is a big word of just saying, you know, people that believe in the Word of God and how the Word of God was written. But so many times that we're around people that we're not raised like us. Can, can I get an amen? And so, and maybe there's somebody here this morning that'll say, you know what, I, I would like to see the whole, can I say it, the kit, cattle, and caboodle, all of it, maybe in a different way. So, uh, I am so glad you're here. I, I, before I, I pray and we'll begin, I, I want to kind of do a poll and I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. So, so if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But if I want you to raise your hand in a minute. It, and here's the first group of people. If you, now let's, let me say this. If you made a commitment to Jesus Christ the first time, before you were the age of 18, can I see your hand? Keep them up just for a minute. Okay, you put them down. Now, now let me say this. How many people came to Jesus Christ the first time, the, the time after you became what we call in our society an adult? Let me, let me see your hand. Okay, okay. Uh, and it's it's amazing that usually you know through statistics and polling, this is kind of the the way that it looks. Over eighty percent of people come to know Jesus Christ and make Him Lord of their life before they're uh, eighteen years old. Eighty percent, and to in some demographics, it's even greater than that. So that's why it's so important for us to have a great children's ministry, and and I believe we do that. But then again, there are a group of adults that will say, you know what, uh, there, there's some things that I just don't understand. And, and some of the things that we were taught as children, well, let's just put it this way. Sometimes it can even be confusing when we become old of what we were taught as a child and now we become adults. Through this series, we're going to kind of have to put on our thinking caps and and to some extent, I want you to kind of look at it as if you've never heard about Christianity before. Let's pray this morning. Father, God, you have given us grace. And Father, we are so thankful for what you have done for us. And Father, this morning as we begin to learn and we begin to look at things differently, that God, that you're equipping us, not just not just for ourselves, not just for the community of believers, not just for the chapel, but God, that for the community outside of the church, the world outside of the church, 
that God, unless we can express, unless we can tell the good news in a way that people can hear it, God, that they'll never, ever experience your love. They'll never become followers of you. Father, through this series of these weeks that will build upon one another, that God, that we are faithful to the house of the Lord, to be able to learn with a purpose, to be able to use it for your glory. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As adults, the starting points of our faith is so much different than when it was when we were a child. You know, I don't know about you, but I was raised in a church, and as I've said before, my my parents said, anytime the church doors are open, you're going to be there. And back then, it was Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning worship, and then it was Sunday night. And then after Sunday night, it was Wednesday night. And we didn't just have revival, which was a Monday through Wednesday. Sometimes it'd go two weeks. Every night we were in church. And we were taught that the, the Bible was inspired from Genesis to maps. You know what I mean? The, the book of maps. I mean, everything. And I remember as a, as a child, you know, and, and as I've, I've ministered as a pastor, is we have expressed in, in our children's ministry, and what I experienced as a child is that the, the Sunday school teacher, or in, in my case, the Royal Ranger leader, which was, a, it's kind of like a Boy Scouts, but in, in the Assembly of God. I'm ready. I'm ready for anything. Ready to work, play, serve. You know, I had all the motto down. But but I heard it in a way, and, and it was so it was so for a child, just the that God loved me so much that he died on the cross for me. But I had a choice to make. And, and the choice was to receive him or not. And and the good news is I could spend eternity with him. And it was nobody's fault how it was presented. It had to be presented in a way that was pure and just a way that children can receive it. But you know what? I, the older you get, and, and what we have found out is even some children that grow into teenagers and, and grow into college students, and there's something about somebody that comes around them and begins to question their faith, and they say, well, I just believe. And sometimes Christians and, and pastors, and they, they mean right, but they say, you don't have to understand everything, just believe. And there's something about the, the house of, you know, God is, is, it becomes a place where they go, well, I, I'm just confused. I know that a lot of college students will have a professor that will be the first person that ever prods and argues with them. And a lot of times they've never been in a place where they've studied and learned and really understand what they believe and why their faith is so important to them. The Bible. You know, a lot of us have a stack of Bibles at home. We have every version, translation. Maybe you grew up in a house where you had Bibles sitting around on the coffee table, but really nobody read it. It was inspiring to hear as you went to the word of or when you went to the church and and maybe a Sunday school teacher taught out of it and a preacher preached out of it and it was very inspirational and and you got the 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 ability that your faith increased by hearing the word of God. 
And those stories that came over us that put our faith in a place that we said, okay, I choose to believe God that the community of the church around you and maybe on a weekly basis created a, a, a safe house, a, a protection. But then you would go outside to maybe as an adult to work. And someone would question your faith and you'd say, well, well, I, I, I wish the pastor was here so he could explain it better. Or I wish somebody was here that really, really understood all the details. And I think that years and years, if we're not careful, will go by and, and nobody's really sharing their faith. No, nobody's really encouraging somebody in, in what God has said about them and the good news of Jesus coming. Because we all, if we're not careful, Come on, it might be a little lazy that we don't read and know about the love of God ourselves. And what happens is as time goes by, we begin to go, I don't even know what the Bible says. The studies that are going on today are saying that people, even in the church, don't know what the Word of God says. Let me tell you through this sermon series that I'll preach for several weeks. We're going to take a different view. Because having faith as an adult is so much different than having faith as a child. You still believe. But this morning I want you to, there's people here that will say, you know, really, I've never really had faith. I, I come because my husband makes me or my wife would prefer that I go with her to church or, you know, I, I've been in in the spiritual community, but I really, really, it's just a place where I, I don't I don't have passion for faith, my faith in Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to I want to take it from an angle and let's just say that you have never heard any of the stories about the Bible. Let's go another step. And a point that I want you to see is the Bible says, those quotes, the Bible says is not an adequate starting point or even a returning point for most adults. A lot of times when you're sharing your faith with somebody or you're saying how much God has meant to you, and you go, you know what? The Bible says, and the adults that are not believers will say, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't care what the Bible says. If you're trying to restart my faith, if you're trying to maybe even have a starting point for my faith, I'm out. The Bible says it's not an adequate starting or even a relaunching of your faith. And I want you to hear this. The Bible says was never intended to be the starting point of a person's Christian faith. This morning, I want you to understand that I've prepared this message and it is other ministers that I've studied and, and, and I, I believe that God is doing something in Christianity. It won't happen in all Christianity. But I believe that there's a, a cry for us as believers to get outside of the walls of the church. It, it's been going on and I grew up in the church and ministers would come and pastors would say, we're not just this building. And everybody go, amen. 
the next week. We're not just this building. We are the church. And people go, amen. Year after year. We're not the... But we always brought church inside the building. We never took it outside. Oh, we might have a, a revival and we invited the church into the... Or the people, the community into the church. But understand that together we should do more together than we could even as individuals. But that does not limit us as individuals of being able to just share the good news with somebody. Do you understand that the New Testament in that phrase, all the stories, all the things that we have valued as a believer, do you realize that that didn't even come into existence until like 260, maybe let's say 250 years after Christ died in the resurrection. 250 years after. The, the early believers had no way of turning like we do and reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Corinthians, Romans, and on. The Bible didn't exist. There were just letters from Paul in the first years and I, I don't know how much you know, but but let me just say this, that we will be talking today in the story is out of a, a travel journal. The book that we call it is Acts. But really, this was before the New Testament even was compiled. We know that there was writings from Paul that would travel from church to church. And I want to ask you this morning, if you were in the early church and you didn't have a Bible, what was their starting point? What, what was it that, that ignited them in a passion? I'm not just talking about it's Sunday morning. Mildred, are we going to church today? Well, it's a little windy. Maybe next week. I'm not talking about that kind of passion. I'm talking about a passion that they would meet together and they were so filled with passion that they were even willing to lay down their life. Rome is saying, we'll feed you to the lions. And they said, it's okay. We won't deny our faith. So this morning, I want you to see as we progress through this series, where we're at. The church at this point is exploding, but it was not exploding based on the Bible says. The people met together they, they ate together. They took the Lord's Supper as we did today. Not all of them. Some of them would meet in a cave just to get out of the public eye. Not too long ago, we did a, a Sunday night. And if you were here, we, we showed a video of all the, the early church and how it came about and the persecution. And, and maybe a Caesar would come into power and just make a declaration to start making the Christians suffer. It was crazy. But even though the persecution came, the, the, the church began to grow and grow and grow until the nation that tried to wipe it out, Rome, took it and embraced it as the national religion. When we ask ourselves what was their starting point, for some of us, it'll be our starting point. And it'll build on the facts of what we already know as a church and as believers. But my hope is that the person that says, you know, Pastor, I've, 
I've come to church and I really don't have excitement. I don't really understand why people will raise their hands and sacrifice. Go, God, I, I, I don't understand why. I just have never felt that. Maybe through this series. Kind of in a way of changing the perspective of your chair. You can see it in a different way. I want you to understand also that we're going to be talking about Paul and he's going to have the ability to talk to people that have never heard about Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? They've never heard about Jesus Christ. And Paul is going to teach him in a way because he is a person. Listen to this. This is the key. He knew what he knew because of who he knew. He knew the people that were the first-hand witnesses, Peter. He spent time with Peter. He spent time with James. He spent time with John. First-hand experience of witnesses that actually walked and talked with Jesus. And Paul will begin to talk to people that have no background. He'll be in our story. He's in the country of Greece. And again, this travel journal is by Luke that would sit down and write what happened in this, these different situations where Paul would go into these places. Now let me give you a little bit more background. Paul was going around the loop of the Mediterranean planting churches. These people have no idea what he's talking about. This is a whole other world too because Paul is coming in and they've believed all these different gods and, and all these different things and all these superstitions. And Paul will find that it's not long until he's presenting Jesus to a group again that has never heard. He'll go through persecution. They'll chase him out of a city and he'll go to another city and begin again and again and again. This morning, if you'll turn to Acts chapter 17. And as you're turning in your Bibles, because I want you to bring your Bibles. And if you have a phone or an iPad or whatever, I want you to highlight these to go back. Because these are going to be the foundation of some of your faith of a starting point. The writings of Luke in this book and the writings of Paul were before even the New Testament. Paul wrote in 54, 55 A.D. And some of the New Testament will be written by Paul and, and then the Gospels will come out later. So, so listen, the church did not have ability to sit down and look at the Word of God, the Bible. Paul did not know what he knew because he read the Bible. In Acts chapter 17, they're in Athens, Greece. It says, while Paul was... Waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city full of idols. Do we have that up? Look at this. He's going around and he's already been to a place called Thessalonica. Now that's where the book of Thessalonians came and there's a church there. But there's a group of Jews that have become hostile and ran him out of Thessalonica and the group that's around Paul maybe you've heard of them they're, they're Silas and also Timothy and they go to the next town which is Berea and and they're they're doing an amazing job and people are coming to faith and again word from Thessalonica says that joker Paul's down there in 
Maria. And so they go down to get him. And the, the people around Paul has now moved him down to play another church. Or again, begin explaining the, God, the things of Jesus to the people at Athens. And when he gets there, and he's waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Look at this next word. It says, okay, we're just going to go from verse to verse. Here we go. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. What's so amazing is all the people that are there, he just begins to do life together. He begins, i tell you what guys, I'll just say next slide, okay? Go back to 17. He, he begins to reason with them. He begins to kind of do life and begins to pull and they begin to tell them their beliefs and then he begins to share about Jesus and they begin to go back and forth. And, and some of them are God-fearing Greeks. Some of them have been influenced by Jewish people in the past of God, Yahweh, through Abraham, and, and they're listening and they become intrigued. Remember, this is before Facebook, before, you know, all the different modern technology of communication and watching the news tonight that Jesus died and it says he rose from the dead. They don't. This is across the world, so to speak. And Paul comes on the scene and some of them are going, what? Next slide. It says in verse 18. I need the clapper. All right. Verse 18, a group of Epicurean, these are a group of people that are like, eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. There's not much to live with. <laughs> then it says, and Stoic philosophers. These are the guys that you can see that are, you know, Pluto, Esophagus. And Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them ask, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. Now, this is why it's so important that you see this, is because if you were presenting another god, there's so many gods in Greece. All the, the um, Greek mythology and, and Romans added to it. It wasn't just Neptune, now it's Poseidon. And all these different gods that if you're going to present a new god, you had to get permission because if you're presenting a new god, you could start a rebellion, a revolt. Which Paul's going, well, that kind of, that kind of happens when I show up. Do you ever wonder that when we show up, they serve coffee and when Paul shows up, they, they have a rebellion? Anyway, another story, another story. Next slide. Then they took him out and brought him to a meeting of the Aeropocalypse. Aeropocalypse, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. Now watch this. Aeropocalypse, back on the slide. Next slide. All right, here we go. Verse 19. The Aeropocalypse is actually a place that you can go to right now. It's for real. It's not a. It's not a Atlantis thing. You know what I mean? I'm. I'm trying to say this is before the Bible. This is before anything that is that is written down in the Word of God and. Luke is going to be writing this down to explain what has happened. They take him out to this rock. This is an important part because in Athens, this was a rock that uh, they say that it was the rock of Ares, which was one of their gods that, that murdered Poseidon's son. So this was a place where they would bring people for civil uh, court. 
This was a place kind of outside. They, they didn't want it inside. Bring it outside. And we're going to have a kind of a debate. So here's Paul. And he, they bring him to this place. And they ask him. Tell us about this teaching. Next slide. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears. And we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who live there spend their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So they're, they're, I want you to see, we, we sometimes go, are they just crazy? They, didn't they have more? But there's a sense of a hunger. Come on, there's got to be more out there than what we are sensing, what we are feeling. What, these gods are a dime a dozen. We can't even go to the marketplace without knocking down some idol. Next slide. The God who made the world. <laughs> do we have? <laughs> you know they're in trouble when they go back to the title slide. That's why. We, all right. Our computer sometimes has a delay, so it's not just their fault. We bring the apostles out for stoning. We bring the sound men afterwards out for... Anyway, that's <laughs> verse 20 says, You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. And then all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. We're missing 21, I think. Well, you're keeping me on. Just see if you're paying attention. No, I'm just kidding. Verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Aeropoclus and said, People of Athens. Now watch this. This is their starting point. This is a place where the people of, of Athens are going, Tell us, what, what do you know? People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. It, it, a blind man could see it. Because they have all these idols, all these altars to all these foreign gods. And he says, For as I walked around, I looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription. Can everybody say that with me? To an unknown... Say it again. To an unknown God. He's walking around and he's looking at, I don't know, if they, any time in, in Greek and Roman history that if the leader thought something was going on and, and let's say that the farmlands weren't producing and a, a crop, they would want to build a, like a temple to Ceres, which was a, a, a god of produce and, and to predict, uh, to help with the harvest. In the Old Testament, it was the same way. Anytime that the people felt like a sect of people was prospering more, like if it was Baal or if it was Ashner, that those religions would be compelling for the, even the children of God. Come over here. Come over here. Here is Greece, and here's Athens, the center of Greece at this time. And Paul is visiting, and, and apparently he's looking around, and all these gods and all these altars and all these temples and he goes guys I, I see that you even have and I found an altar 
with the inscription to the unknown God. I, I want you to hear this. Religion says, I'm not for sure. I hope so. And these people that are doing this and having all these gods, they're not for sure. And they're going, you know what? I'm, I'm, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have this altar just in case. He shows up. This is your altar. We worshipped you. We just didn't know your name. Does this happen in our world today? <laughs> huh? That's why people, some people, you know, the poinsettia lily crowd, <laughs> that will come just Easter and Christmas just in case. There's some people that will wear a, a piece of jewelry and if something's going back, they got to touch it, you know, just in case. Paul is going to bring out a fact to the people of Athens. Hey, guys. You're just, look at this next verse. He says, so you are ignorant. Now that's a strong word in English that didn't mean you're stupid. These guys are philosophers. He says, so you're ignorant. Here's another way of saying it in what Paul was trying to present to him. You're guessing. You don't know. Yeah, we're guessing. Or we wouldn't have this altar to the unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Now watch this next picture. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. These guys think that they're, and since the beginning of time, people tried to dumb down God and put Him in our box, huh? And Paul is making a declaration that these people that are so quick to make an altar, uh, an idol, or a, a, a temple, he says, whoa, 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 whoa. The God I'm talking about is bigger than something that can be, that a human hand can build. And, and so verse 25. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. He's saying, guys, you, you have this altar to know God and all these other gods. And, you know, if, if there's something that you're doing, you know, Poseidon was the god of the, the waters and the uh, ocean. And if you're making a travel, you know, if you're going to travel on the ocean, you might go and, and put some coins as an offering on that altar, you know, to give you safe travel because you're always walking in fear. Come on, guys, you know. That those priests of those gods will take them. You might put a little coke there, a little potato chips, a little offering, you know, feed the gods. And, but you know that's not true. He himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Verse 26 says, From one man he made all the nations and that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and their boundaries of their lands do, do you hear what he's saying he says god has a plan for you it's not just having that you're just not going to go around blinded but he says this verse 27 says god did this watch this 
so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him. If you study that word, it's like going into a dark room and trying to feel... Have anybody ever done that? Try to feel where the light switch is? And you're just groping in the darkness? He says, God did this so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him. Though He is not far from any one of us. In other words, it's not just a Jewish God that I'm talking about. For in Him... Now, look at this. This is what Paul is just amazing to me. He goes into their culture and knows their own teachings and uses it. He says, For in Him we live and move and have our being... As some of your own prophets have said, we are his offspring. So they're all, yeah, okay, okay. So we weren't really that far off. No, you're not that far off. But you just didn't know the true God. You hungered after the true God. Therefore, go back one verse. In verse 28 it says, your own prophets, Poets have said we are his offspring. Now next verse. Therefore, since we are God's offspring. See, they're agreeing. He says, okay, since we are his offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. You guys aren't just a statue. You're not silver or stone. God's not a, a, a monument or he's not an idol. An image made by human design and skill. But watch this. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. Now this is where Paul is bringing it to a turning point. He begins to show them that what was accepted or what was overlooked, now there's going to have to be a decision. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. In other words, He knew that people didn't understand it all. It was before the fullness of time when Jesus came. People had to sacrifice animals to forgiveness of sins and all the junk that was going on in the world, in religion. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now, in other words, in my lifetime, just a few years ago, just back in Jerusalem, He commands all people everywhere to repent. Now, before you go to the next verse, that has nothing to do with sin. We're not talking about sin in this message. The word repent means that you would change your mind. So so watch this next verse. For He has set a day when He will judge the world with justice by the man He has appointed. They're going, what man? Because they've already heard a name Jesus and He's already explained it. But He's saying by this man He has appointed. He has given proof of this. Now watch, this is a deal breaker for some because they're going, He gave proof? You're talking about evidence that we have creation and all the and all of us, if you've ever looked at some big thing like the Grand Canyon, you've ever been up in a plane and looked back on earth, if, you, if you've ever uh, been on a ship in the middle of the ocean and you, say, you know that there's evidence of the Creator. But Paul is going, no, 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 no. He has given proof of this. To everybody or to everyone by raising him from the dead. They go, What? 
Paul is talking in a way that they're saying, wait just a minute, you know what you know from the people you know, you, you know people that actually was there and walked and talked with him and he was killed by crucifixion and he rose from the dead? Proof. Because as you know, when a person dies, they usually stay dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on the subject. At that, Paul left the council. Now watch this real quick. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionys, a member of the Erlopicus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Those are the people, look at them, it says, became followers of Paul. D does it say that they became Christians? What I believe is happening is people are going, wait just a minute, we, we want to hear more. We, we want to know more about what you're talking about. We, we want to follow you to hear what you're talking about. Because in following you, Paul, we will hear about this God that loves us so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. Some of them heard about the resurrection and sneered. Is there anybody here that's surprised at that? But then there were some that said, we want to hear more. We want to know more about a God that we've never heard about before. The starting point to the Christian faith is not the Bible says. It is so much easier for us as believers and Christians to use that. But the starting point to the Christian faith is this. Who is Jesus? Because there's something about when somebody seeks who Jesus is, other answers come to the other questions that they're having. Who is Jesus? In the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the, the process of how Paul and how the early church began to understand who Jesus was. In the thought of where do we start? We start with Jesus and who He was. Some sneered, but others wanted to listen. My hope as we go through this season of Christian education and talk about the temperaments and communication with one another, I hope you understand that it is important for you to know how to communicate with your friend in the church and how to communicate with your husband or your wife. But let me tell you this. What I'm doing as the pastor of this church is I'm equipping you and giving you the ability to learn what Paul did. To be able to communicate to people that don't have any clue of who Jesus is. 
to understand that some people will hear one thing and you never said it. But knowing who they are through the grace of God, through the Word of God, that we can begin to express and to be able to communicate the things of God to them. When you come to the morning worship and we're talking about starting here, and maybe even somebody in your life that really hasn't ever had a passion. They say, you know what, I really don't like religion. We're talking about a relationship today. That'll change your life. It'll change your eternity. It's so important that you understand who Jesus is. And as you spend time seeking Him, just like what Paul was encouraging, that the Athens people, that I believe that as that becomes real in a person's life, they get a first-hand revelation of who Jesus is. And all of a sudden, maybe for the first time in your life, all the junk that you looked at, all the things that are just a storm in your life, going to work, having problems at home, having all, all of a sudden you'll begin to see above the storm. And with an eternal perspective that maybe you've never saw before. Let's pray. God, we want to do what You've called us to do. And Father, when we hear go into all the world, making disciples, teaching them of what You have heard, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy sometimes, God, it becomes overwhelming because, God, we are not resourced, it seems, or we have not taken the initiative to be equipped to be able to do that. As we as a church begin to learn begin to see things differently and still hold everything that we have in our heart as dear and sacred. But God, I believe as a church we begin to express our love for the people that are in this community by looking at the events of Christianity in a different way. A way to be able to express love. To be able to be patient with somebody that really doesn't understand phrases in, in different translations or, or they just have questions that they were always scared to ask that God that we we have the love and the patience to be able to express and, and to act, to be there as they ask questions and Father we take the responsibility that God that you have given us to make disciples Father if there's somebody here that has God the question of I need, God, will you start my faith again as an adult? Will you, will you relaunch? God, can you, can you give me passion for having faith in you? God, I just pray that this week, that this sermon would continually burn on their heart, that God, that you love them and you want the very best for them. And yes, their faith can be energized and restarted. And God, I say thank you for that. Amen.